Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of AEW Weekly. I am your host, Miss Dynamite herself, Stephanie Cheers. How is everyone? Welcome to everyone watching on YouTube and on Twitter. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. I've been not so well this week, to be honest. I've been feeling a little under the weather, but today I actually feel the best that I have um, since the weekend, so that's pretty good. Maybe it was last night's amazing dynamite that um, invigorated me and made me feel <laughs> back to not 100%, but like at least over 50%, I would say. And so, well... We have a one hell of a newsworthy dynamite to get into today, and I can't wait to talk to you all about it. Two huge debuts. We were all wondering who the debuts would be, and my gosh, wow. One of them I'm very um, excited to give my take on, very excited to give my take on. But anyway, before we get into this, if you enjoy this um, stream, please give it a like and share on social media. And of course, subscribe to my channel. And you can also listen to this show in podcast form. Just search AW Weekly on your podcast provider. And if you enjoy my work and want to enable me to keep creating content, you can show your support via the Kofi link in the description and then on the ticker at the bottom or by sending a super chat when we are live and the super chats I will definitely uh, read out and be sure to check out my dynamite preview videos that I always drop. Uh, just before Dynamite every week. I particularly enjoyed making my one this week where I kind of um, went through the people that were speculated. Funny thing is, Jay White was on my list and I like skipped over him when I was doing it accidentally. So he was actually on my list. Um, I particularly liked the, the bit I did about Sheen Strickland um, and a little shout out to my boy, Bo Dallas, who um, I really hope, you know, does return to the world of wrestling. So yes, check those out, like, subscribe, share, support, whatever. Um, I am an, a completely independent content creator just out here spreading the word of AEW. And my gosh, we do need that in the UK. Before I start, Darren has a question for me. Hi, Steph. Hi, Darren. What do you think of Giselle Shaw signing for Impact? The first time I saw her was versus Tessa Blanchard at RevPro in November 2019. A AEW not sign her. I think that's really good for Giselle Shaw. Giselle Shaw is someone I've worked with quite a few times in RevPro. She was um, our RevPro Women's Champion um, for quite a while there last year. I think she's an amazing talent. She's a great addition to any roster. So I'm very happy for her to see her on Impact. And hopefully more people will get to see like, how great Giselle Shaw is. So uh, good news for her. And yeah, I mean, it would have been great to see her in AEW. But her landing in Impact is very, very cool. So are we ready to get into this dynamite <laughs> okay this dynamite started with wardlow walking out with some cardboard cutouts of mjf one of which showed him choking out cm punk he then 
set them up in the ring and give Justin Roberts some instructions um, for the introductions. We had FTR and Tully Blanchard, then Sean Spears. He had some booze. Nice. And then MJF came out, like carried on a throne, like he was royalty. Uh, it took a lot of men to carry MJF on this throne. It looked like they were struggling uh, quite a bit, <laughs> but you know, not, not an easy task. Um, and then he also had two ladies with him, one of which I think it was the redheaded one. He just completely made out with in the ring just full-on um graphic uh tonguing there um <laughs> and then he said that last week he made it clear he's the best wrestler on the planet when he beat punk it made him emotional um so much so that he leaned over after his victory so a lot of people did pick up on the fact that mjf said something to punk um once their match was over um i mean who knows what it was but he told us that what it was was that he said you suck to cm punk um <laughs> which i thought was very funny like if that was something that people um picked up on it was good that he just addressed it and you know turned it into a heel thing um he then said that he had someone to thank that gave him help but that he never could have done this without them the camera turned to wardlow greatest facial actor in wrestling he has um all the facial expressions it's those brows man it's those brows um but instead he thanked sean spears uh, Sean Spears got MGF a gift, which is a new better than best in the world shirt. Buy it on shopaw.com right now. And then MJF said he's setting his sights on the world championship. But then out came CM Punk. It was no music, Phil. Um, he came out and he said that um, he that MJF's win in Chicago was about as suspect as his spray tan. I'm not into people dissing other people's spray tans. Spray tans are really hard to get even and they're really hard to keep on. So, you know, um, calm down on that, on that fill. Um, anyway, Pug said he's got some friends and his friends are Darby Allen and Sting and they all have matching little friend bats. And uh, he said that he wants a rematch, not with MJF, but with Wardlow, the guy that actually um, led to him being beat in Chicago, he offered Wardlow the chance to leave MJF behind. MJF was angry and was like, he's under contract. He's our, he's our friend. And then uh, Dax from FTR said that he wants a rematch from the tag match that there was a few weeks ago where Punk teamed with Darby and Sting. Um, Punk agreed, MJF agreed, but on the condition that Punk has to find a partner to de and defeat FTR, but he cannot team with Darby, Allen, and Sting. So if Punk wants to get a match with MJF, he has to find a partner. And MJF is pushing this narrative that nobody likes CM Punk. Um but it can't be his two friends at Sting and Darby Allen. So hard task for Phil there. Um, and then in the meantime, Wardlow has a match. So I thought this was a really great um, opening segment. I loved MJF, like just totally milking it as a heel. I liked Punk coming out with no music and then actually being a baby face with friends, which is something that we so often like don't see in wrestling. Baby faces seem to have no friends. He's got his friends in Darby and Sting. Um, you could not have two cooler friends. Um, it was interesting though that like it, at the start, Punk said that he wanted a match with Wardlow, but then the stipulation that was laid out for tonight le leads him to a match with MJF, which you would think is like a bigger deal. So I don't know if like some something got kind of left out and what they were meant to say of why it suddenly changed into that. But 
it did. Um, and as I referenced before, Wardlow just, he would be my second best actor nominee on this show. He wasn't actually the best actor in this show tonight because it, it was a last night because it was a hard fought battle. But Wardlow, amazing facial expressions. What a man. Uh, let's see if you guys have anything to say about this. Um, let me see. Let me go back to the last comments that I read. Um, Redmond Survivor said, I think that might have been my favorite episode of Dynamite ever. You're not the only one to say that, Redmond. It was a really amazing um, episode. Um, Ibby Beast says, what a fantastic show worth staying up for. Redmond Survivor says that was MJF's real life girlfriend, apparently. So, you know, good that he's not um, cheating live on TV. <laughs> SCW, the wrestling channel says all the layers in the opening segment were perfection. The way everything was brought together with all of MJF's sto uh, storyline directions uh, was done very well. Pal Driver Finisher says Wardlow just taking it. Yeah, he's just taking it for now. Um, SCW, the wrestling channel, says Wardlow is going to be one of the biggest baby faces in the company Who, when he eventually drops MJF. Dude gave me Batista vibes when he left Evolution back in 2005. Yeah, legendary um, turn when B Batista left Evolution. It's, this is definitely, I think, a huge influence on what they're doing with Wardlow, and rightly, like, it should be. Um, Redmond Survivor says, I think... The Wardlow line was just more dig at MJF rather than a genuine match request. But yeah, maybe got a bit lost in translation. Yeah, I think definitely something did get a little bit lost there. But all in all, I would give this um, an A segment. Really, really good opening to the show. We will talk about Wardlow again in about 30 seconds time. Before that, Andrade was backstage with Sting and Darby Allen. This whole thing is absolutely bizarre, but really funny as well. So Andrade has been thinking that, that Darby Allen is a little boy that works with, with Sting, basically, and has been wanting to meet Sting um, so that he can purchase the service of, of Darby Allen. But Darby Allen is, of course, a grown man and not for sale. So Andrade said he knows that Darby works for Sting, but Sting told Andrade to speak to Allen face-to-face -face because Sting has previously uh, said... Alan has said that he doesn't work for him. Um, Alan said he's got better things to do, like become the next TNT champion. Andrade was like, well, we have the same goal because I am the next TNT champion. Um, so like a strange little segment, but I like this. I like this, like Andrade just thinking that Darby's like a little boy that um, he could maybe buy to like do some work. You know, but the thing is like, um, I mean, I don't know what he wants to purchase Darby for because he is so little, you know, he's not going to make a good, uh, good at yard work or anything like that, but very, very funny. Um, I don't know where this leads as far as the TNT title picture goes, whether like they'll both individually have matches with Sammy Guevara, whether they'll face each other for the chance to have a match with Sammy Guevara, or whether they'll both just be inserted into the face of the revolution ladder match um, and then play out that storyline there. So interesting, very cool to see two different wrestlers referencing wanting a shot at the TNT championship. Um, I think that's really awesome. You know, every wrestler should want to hold a title. And sometimes you just don't hear people talk about this stuff. So it's cool that like two guys are saying that that's their goal. Um, and yeah, and a triple threat would be good as well. Um, let me 
Let me see uh, some of your comments. Okay. So Redmond Survivor says, um, give me a triple threat, Sammy versus Darby versus Andrade for the TNT title at the pay-per-view. That would be cool. Uh, big hello to Matthew Mikofsky, who's made it out of bed in time to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, with Savvy King, Andrade is so great. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Matthew wants to see the triple threat as well. Um, and hello to... Uh, Reiku08, who says it's great to have female wrestling creators. It is great to have female wrestling creators. Uh, thank you very much for joining. Um, so back to Mr. Mayhem Wardlow. He defeated the Blade. First thing I want to say about the Blade, when I watch matches of the Blade, I go through like this whole up and down thing about whether or not I like his look. Like he'll come out and I'm like, hmm. I do like that look. And then like a couple of minutes into looking at it, I'll be like, no, I don't like that look. And then a couple of minutes later, I'll be like, I like that look. So I can't decide whether or not like the blade, um, it, it, like whether it's a good outfit and like overall look or not. I'm really like 50-50 on it. I think he'd have to like catch me on the right day, you know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wardlow, he won this after catching the knee strike, turning into powerbomb. He then started the powerbomb symphony Four power bombs for the win after the match speared whacked blade with the chair. So what I think is really interesting um, is um, what I, what I think. <laughs> sorry, I just saw a really funny comment. <laughs> yeah, I think that is just rare UK too, Redmond. <laughs> I think I need things to be in bigger fonts. Um, so what I think is interesting is like when we were building to the CM Punk um, MJF match, I think that a lot of people obviously expected the Wardlow turn to happen during that match. And then Wardlow ends up just fulfilling his duties and giving the Dynamite Diamond ring to CM Punk to enable the victory. And I think after that, like last week, there was a bit of discourse of like, shouldn't Wardlow have turned by now? Isn't it time to do the Wardlow turn? Whatever. And what I really liked seeing here and what I really enjoyed is that like they have not missed the boat on this. Like the crowd are are so into Wardlow. He's so over. And I think that the crowd are exactly accepting the storyline that AEW are trying to tell. Like they they know where this is going. They know that they um are meant to see Wardlow as a good guy. They are accepting him as a good guy, even if he has to keep doing this these bad things. Like they're on the side of Wardlow. He's really over with the crowd. And um when he turns, it's gonna be absolutely freaking massive. Um maybe it will come at the pay-per-view, like who knows? But that moment when he finally turns is gonna be huge. Um and I hope, you know, that he turns by like really, really like making a stand and doing the right thing um, and just power bombing the hell out of MJF one day. But this has been like such a slow burn with Wardlow. And it's great to see that people um, are like they still want it to happen and like they know it's coming and they have patience with it they have the patience that aw um wants them to have with it it's really good like you don't have to shoot your load at once um not to be rude but like you know um relax don't do it and i think that with mjf um and cm punk like you had such a great thing there that maybe doing the wardlow turn like that week would have just muddled it all too much like too much going on so it's nice that they've held off on that and we're going to see where they go let me see what um some of you think um 
let me see. Uh, yeah, Matthew says the blades are heel. Uh, Wardlow's getting put against heels now, so it's coming. Um, Holiday Chris says, I love what they're doing with uh, the Warlord. Yes. Uh, Redmond Survivor says, the Warlord turn will come when he has the TNT title and MJF demands he hand it over. Interesting, yes. Um, ABB says, the only missing factor now is that we need to start hearing Wardlow talk a little now just to be, just so he can get some good mic time of when he eventually does turn on MJF. Yeah, I'd like to hear Wardlow talk more. He, I think he's been very good anytime he's been given the mic. He gives me a bit of like a Patrick Warburton vibe, um, you know, with his talking. Just a nice uh, voice from a big guy. <laughs> Uh, Matthew says the turn on the pinnacle should be as brutal as the pinnacles formation when they debuted attacked inner circle, which is my favorite dynamite moment of all time. Um, when MJF revealed uh, the pinnacle and all of that. So yeah, I'd love to see, um, something really brutal happen there. Next, we had a, a video package for Penta, um, uh, which was narrated by Alex Abriantes. Uh, it called out Malachi Black, and this is a throwback to um, the Lucha Lucha Underground Penta. Um, I think that's what I was reading from this, that we may have a, a dark Penta coming. Um, oh, lots of talk about Jay White in the chat. See if your Jay White takes till Jay White's moment. Because uh, <laughs> I've got some big Jay White takes. Okay, speaking of things, I have big takes on. Yes, Pentagon Dark, as Redmond Survivor says, Pentagon Dark in the Lucha Underground. I'm going to take a little drink before we get in to the mandatory inner circle team meeting. Mm. Okay, the Inner Circle had a team meeting and it was mandatory. We had Chris Jericho's entrance music played. It was Jericho, Sammy, and Jake Hager coming out to the ring together. Um, Jericho said that they haven't seen Santana and Ortiz all day, but then we got the proud and powerful music and they walked out to the ring um, by themselves. They were not wearing the Inner Circle vests or Inner Circle cut, if you're cool. Um, so... Jericho said that they had a cute entrance, but what wasn't cute was them not tagging him in and that he was embarrassed and they robbed fans who paid to see Chris Jericho wrestle. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about the past two weeks when we've been two, three weeks when we've been talking about the inner circle breakup is who is the heel. I think we found out this week. <laughs> um, he asked why they did it. Then upset Santana with the mic. He said, enough of this corny shit. He has seen things clearly. He said that Jericho only cares about Chris Jericho. He said the inner circle has only has fought his battles and that Santana and Ortiz get any spotlight. They need to stop. It stops and they have to go rescue Jericho. Jericho went to talk. Santana said, Chris, I ain't done. Santana said they came out to say that they are done playing second fiddle to him. Jericho went to talk again. Santana said, don't raise that mic because I ain't finished, Chris. Santana said it was Jericho who kept them back, but the fans kept them going. Santana said that if it wasn't for Ortiz, he would have dropped your ass a long time ago. And then, now you may speak. So, just so that I don't um, leave out any of the praise that I'm about to shower on Santana here, I'll, I'll take a little break uh, here and look back on this. This, this um, opening bit of it was 
excellent. Like absolutely excellent. I think when it comes to this, these inner circle, um, like town hall meetings, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what was the one that had the, the funny name that was, uh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, the inner circle parlay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to my own brand there. Okay. I think that when these get announced, a lot of people are like, Oh, another inner circle thing. They're always good though. They're always good. This one though, I think was the, the absolute best ever. Um, Santana was so good here in this opening, um, this opening exchange. Santana is excellent on the mic. This is not like, this should not be a revelation to anyone. Anytime Santana has had to step it up on the microphone, he does. And I mean, I saw a terrible take earlier that was like, oh, Santana and Ortiz should bring in like whoever to be their manager, even if it's like Conan, which I totally get would be cool. They, they do not need a manager or mouthpiece at all. They are so good on the mic, but especially Santana. Um, and it's great when he gets to show it. And every time he does, he he just blows you away. Like think back to the, the Moxley feud with the eye patch and everything. He was so, so good. And this, this, he was just so real here. Like he's one of those guys, a bit like Kingston where um, his delivery is so natural and so real and that you engage with him so much that he shows up other people. Um, and he's just freaking awesome here. I love this so much, especially the like, you know, um, telling Jericho like not to speak. It was really, really good. Um, so then Jericho did speak. He said that Santana reminds him of Eddie Grove, that Kingston has like poisoned his mind. Uh, he is the one that has gotten them in main events and more money than they've ever made. I'm the influencer in this company, he said, trademark. Um, he said he had their chance to be tag team champions and they lost it all on their own when they lost to the Young Bucks last February. He said that he brought them into the inner circle and he can kick them out. He said maybe he offered a spot to the wrong LAX member and he asked Hager if he had Homicide and Hernandez's number. Interesting. So this sent Santana off. He went to attack Jericho, but Sammy pulled him off and tried to reason with him. And then Jericho like had a moment of anger where he's like, shut up, Sammy. Um, then he seemed to like re regret like shouting at uh, his son like that. Uh, Sammy said he didn't know what was going on, but he loves them all. But he wants to be the best champion of all time. And all this bickering is not going to help them. He said they need to figure out what to do. He's quit the group before and he quit the group again. He then took off his vest. You know how I've been saying I want this to end with the vest line in the ring. Well, Sammy Guevara premature he took off his vest um and then he walked out um and then ortiz it was his go he said that jericho was wrong about eddie kingston that eddie king is someone that has always had their back and then he said um where he comes from they solve things not by talking but by fighting yes um so there is going to be a match. It will be Santana and Ortiz versus Jericho and Jake Hager. Now, Jake Hager was completely silent throughout this whole thing. But if you remember our show last week, we worked out that this is all on Jake Hager's head anyway. Uh, call back. <laughs> so uh, Jericho accepted the challenge. And then just 
absolutely phenomenal like mugging for the camera from um, Santana who was just literally like looking like this guy like seriously I loved it so much Santana was so so good there's not enough great things that I can say about Santana Santana actually has huge potential to be a singles wrestler like he really really does um and I think he has been taking some indie bookings as a single. I wouldn't be surprised if like a while down the line, he has a singles run in AW because he's just freaking awesome. And he has always been great. I, I don't know if I would call it. I would call this like his second breakout moment in AW. His first was during the John Moxley feud, but with everything, you know, that came after him being in the inner circle and it's hard in the inner circle because, um, you know, Chris Jericho is the leader and, and he's like the greatest talker of all time. But I do think that Jericho is very generous with the with um giving mic time to the other guys when it's necessary. But Santana, anytime he's given it, he's just runs with it so hard. So this is like his second breakout performance. He was absolutely excellent. Like I I can't get over how good um he is. But I also think that credit should be given to Chris Jericho in this segment because I feel that he toned himself down like to allow this to happen you know he was being like like, like the way Santana was promoing at him he was like holding back and like giving Santana that moment and I, I think that credit to Jericho for for being like generous once again in this situation like he knew that this was Santana's moment and he was um willing and secure enough to give this segment over to Santana uh so all around, really, really good. What do I think is going to happen next week? See, I'm not sure because, well, firstly, I expected Eddie Kingston to come out here and he did not. But in retrospect, I think that was a good idea. Like make it about the inner circle, keep it about the inner circle. I do expect Eddie to be back next week. And um, I just wonder like with Jake Hager, because Jake Hager did not say anything during this. Like Jericho like spoke with Jake uh, spoke for Jake Hager and the interesting thing about that to me is that when he was on commentary in Rampage he said that Sammy was his best friend and he said that like obviously he had the beef with Santana Ortiz and then like he alluded to there being like animosity with Hager as well but then Hager's out there tonight as the one that is just like blindly like following along like he didn't even say anything so that makes me wonder if Hager's going to do something to Jericho next week if Hager is like going to have kind of like almost like his mini Wardlow moment like obviously it won't be the same thing and be like why uh, am I never given a voice here like I don't actually want to be part of this either or um, I wonder if Jericho will have some kind of like frustration with Hager because he did snap at Sammy during this segment so I don't know, after the whole thing where Santana and Ortiz didn't tag him in, maybe he'll do something to Hager, like walk out on Hager. Um, I don't want to read too much into the fact that Homicide and Hernandez were mentioned. Um, we have seen Homicide in, in, in AEW before. And if you want to, if you don't know much about like the history between Santana and Ortiz and Homicide and Hernandez and even Eddie Kingston as well, like go check out Cheap Plug, but check out my interview with Santana and Ortiz because I did ask him about Homicide. So we've seen Homicide before. Um, but I think that might be just a red herring that they were mentioned, a bit like Josh Alexander <laughs> last week. Um, but yeah, like I'm just really interested in where this story goes. And I think that this segment set things up really, really well. 
anyway, let me um, see your comments. I've spoken way too much. Um, okay. Holiday Chris says, Jericho is being such a heel. Yeah. I think that a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, I said that there's no clear heel in this because I felt that Santana and Ortiz are right to say that they deserve more. But at the same time, I wasn't 100% sold on the idea within storyline that Jericho was holding them back. I think the way he acted during this segment, though, um, was being healed. And the crowd did seem to side with Santana and Ortiz. So that was very interesting. I think the influencer thing is heelish. Um, and then, like, yes, him snapping at, like, Sammy... Um, I think that they, that he could do a really good turn were because the way the inner circle have always been so tight, he's kind of been portrayed as like this, like for lack of a better word, like a nice leader, you know, like for like we're all friends here, whatever, like good nature type thing. And I think that there could be a good storyline that they do where it turns out like that's a facade and like he just snaps the way that he snapped um at Sammy Guevara and it's kind of like I always just hate it, you guys. <laughs> um Redmond Survivor says inner circle segment was great, amazing promo from Santana, and I'm glad they're leaning into Jericho being the heel. Um Pile driver finisher Jericho's now using his list to check the inner circle attendance. Um, I want Jericho to really lean into the influencer thing, says Redmond Survivor, making making Hager to Instagram pics for him. <laughs> but Hager could become his little assistant. Um, Pile driver Santana shutting up Jericho was awesome. That's what I need them to do to Ronda Rousey. <laughs> We don't talk about Ronda Rousey on this stream. On we don't talk about Ronda Rousey in this channel. <laughs> and and maybe if I ever do um, maybe if I ever do like another uh, live party or something, you can ask me why. Um, hey, to, hello to um Adam Pearson who says last night's dynamite was limitless. It was indeed. Um, let me see. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I like this weapon, so I would go to your room, Sammy. Um, Matthew says Sammy is going to focus on the TNT title, only to lose it in the next three months. I really hope Sammy is just focusing on the um, on the TNT title. Um, Hager should take the pin. Eddie should be put over by Jericho at the pay-per-view. Yeah, we don't know what the pay-per-view match uh, is for this one. Redman Survivor, we are all just living in a Jake Hager uh, free redeem. We are indeed. <laughs> um, Pile Driver Finisher, if they screw up this story, they just sum it up by being Hager's dream so they have a second try at it when he wakes up. Yes. See, this is like we're giving them good outs here. Uh, hello to Greg and John. Uh Redmond Survivor says, Hager, why won't you let me follow my poetry dreams? I honestly was waiting for Hager to produce a poem. Really was. Um, anyway, so, so many comments here. Uh, the Zornzi says, I love how he looks straight into the camera. Yeah, it was absolutely, um, uh, absolutely wonderful. Like that bit at the end was like wonderful. Okay, next. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Rapongi Vice were backstage being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. They're facing the Young Bucks this Friday on Rampage. The Bucks walked up and wanted to fight now, but Adam Cole attacked them for 
attack from Pongi Vice from behind, and the Bucks hit the BT trigger on Rocky Romero. But then Adam Cole gestured to someone off camera, and it was the Bullet Club's leader, Switchblade Jay White of New Japan. He walked up and sent Trent into a truck. Wow. Okay. So, what happened here that Jay White has turned up in AEW? So we know that Tony sent out quite a few tweets, Tony Khan, that is, on Friday um, about an announcement. And he said that so a free agent was walking through the forbidden door. And then people were like, Tony, if they're a free agent, they can't walk through the forbidden door. And Tony was like, yes, yes, I'm talking about one person. But then as Dynamite got closer, he was like, you know, I've shuffled some stuff around and we'll have, um, we may have another surprise. So, um, what do I think about this? It's interesting because I've always been a huge um, supporter of Jay White um, from before anyone else was because I used to get so much shit um, for, th for thinking that Jay White was really great. Um, really. Um, I've been like a huge fan of his, especially since he came back with the Switchblade character um, and confronted uh, Tanahashi in New Japan. I've been all in on Switchblade. And then, um, you know, the pandemic happened. And I really think that out of every, let's say, like, higher level wrestler, like Jay White has been negatively affected, affected by the pandemic more than anyone um it absolutely stopped his momentum it stopped everything that they had going on with him and it's been really really unfortunate and then of course he debuted in impact last year i thought that was um i did not like that debut at all to be honest um i think that probably like because it was impact and i just felt like jay white debuting in an american promotion should be a huge deal so it should have been with AEW and it should have been with um or with WWE even like I him just coming out an impact was like and the impact commentary that, that night was so terrible I I just like I don't know I, I just watched that and was like okay and then so then we cut we come to this debut and once again I did not think it was worthy of Jay White at all. I think that Jay White is the best wrestler in the world under 30, uh, 100%. I think he's the best heel promo in wrestling out of uh, uh, in any age group. Um, so for him to just like be in a pre-taped segment here at the back, it, it just... It's just not what I just want more for him, to be honest. And I feel like so Tony has since um, clarified that he realized after Friday that he kind of muddled his definition of, of the forbidden door and that he made the deal with um, Jay White on Sunday. Um, so it kind of just makes me wonder like what is the direction for this i know that jay white has been on new japan strong um in america he's been calling out aw guys he even seemed to call out adam cole but then now he's inserted in here as the friend brought in by adam cole and yeah i just i don't know i i can't say that i like i saw a comment there by matthew being like steph must have been screaming when jay white appeared like i wasn't i was like 
oh, here he is in a pre-taped segment outside. Like, you know, I, I just think he's so great. And, like, I would love his debut in AEW to be just a huge big deal where he comes out in a pay-per-view like Adam Cole did, like, on that level. He's such an amazing talent. And he's been dealt an incredibly bad hand um, by the pandemic. He really has. And in AEW, you know, he, obviously he's not under contract. I think this is going to be, like, a couple of appearances thing. I'm not sure if he'll even wrestle a match. Um and I'm just not sure like where they're going with it or if they exactly know um, exactly know where they're going with it. But I think that the Forbidden Door stuff is, you know, it's super cool that you can have people from different promotions like Japan come in. But I think that there are certain guys that are so special that they should be above doing that and that they should you know, wait till they can actually sign with the company and actually, you know, have a proper debut. And I think that if when Jay White's contract expires with AEW and or with uh, in New Japan, and if he actually signs with AEW, I don't think you can redo him debuting in AEW, if you know what I mean. Like, I've always thought, you know, when people would ask me about like Jay White going to WWE, I've, I've always said, firstly, he should bypass fucking nxt and he should have like um and he should have like a freaking royal lumble debut like aj styles had like i just think he's such a big deal and that people i mean people maybe aren't wise to it because they're not watching new japan and like my god when he did that amazing amazing promo in january of 2021 um that it's literally probably the reason why I don't watch New Japan anymore because they never followed up on that properly. Like they never gave him what he deserved. And people were saying that he was going to WWE and every freaking WWE journalist that calls himself a wrestling journalist, but they're actually a WWE journalist was like furiously looking at his Wikipedia to pretend they knew who this guy was like that. He had so much buzz then. And then New Japan did nothing with it. Um, and I just I just wish he'd had like a, a proper debut. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, that's it. You know, it's it's cool to see him on AWTV. My mom, if you've been following my work for a long time, you'll know that the biggest Jay White fan in the world is my mother. And I sent her the video of him of his debut this morning with I sent it to her at like three o'clock in the morning with the message, like, watch this as soon as you wake up, like before you do anything else. And you know, she was very happy to see him. I'm really happy to see him. But yeah, I just wish that he had come in as like this big huge surprise like he's here in AEW like he's not doing impact he's not doing new japan strong like you know he's here he's a huge deal like this is the next guy because he is a uh, he's a former IWGP heavyweight champion but he is absolutely someone that could be AEW world champion like the top guy in the company that can carry the company and I just don't like I just think he's been dealt a bad hand and I think you know still it, it's just still I want more for him that's really all I'm trying to say I, this is another thing I've talked way too much about but um let me see what some of you guys say um uh, uh a lot of just breathe with the switchblade indeed um uh, Redmond Survivor I like that Tony admitted that he messed up the wording and then brought Jay White to make up for it um 
Abhinav says, same Steph, same. Now look at everyone. Jay White has been the guy since he debuted against Tana. He absolutely has. Um, uh, easily the most in, uh, underrated in the world. Uh, Pal Driver uh, finisher says, Adam Cole can try playing the elite uh, Red Dragon and Dark Order. Um, BT YouTube skits only to be betrayed by everyone when Omega, Omega and Uno appears. Maybe Kyle and Bobby can help Cole, seeing he needs them. Um Redman Survivor, I like um, that it continues Cole reshaping the elite in his own image. will be very interesting to see when Kenny comes back. Yeah, I, I, I will talk about that, I think, at the end, where I think um, they're going with Adam Cole. Um, uh, Darren, yeah, get Deanna on, on Dynamite. That would be awesome. Uh, Redman, um, I feel like Jay White's time and impact killed some of his mystique, and so a big debut might have fallen a bit flat. Um, I, yeah, I would, I would, I would have never sent Jay to impact. Um, yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, wow. Uh, the, quite the comment there. Um, <laughs> Jay White beating up the guy that coined the knife pervert name. Indeed. Rocky Romero was the one that called him the knife pervert. But anyway, um, very cool to see, uh, Jay White getting some more attention. Now, speaking of debuts, here was the actual AEW debut. We had the Face of the Revolution qualifier match where Keith Lee defeated Isaiah Cassidy uh, with Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn. So everyone was speculating who was going to be the person that would uh, debut for AEW in this match. And a lot of people thought that it would be Keith Lee. And yes, it was Keith Lee. <laughs> um, he came back. At, it was so cool. We had the graphic that he is limitless came up. The crowd knew exactly who he was. There were some great like crowd shots of people being super excited. Um, and then they uh, he had like good theme music. He had a good outfit on. Like he had a Keith Lee outfit other than like the outfits that they tried to make him wear in WWE. Um, and he got a basket his glory chant. So um we had he did like a very good pounce um in his match he he looked really good i thought like uh, in the ring um this match ended when um, mark quinn grabbed keith lee's boot which allowed cassidy to hit a cutter over the top rope followed by a tornado dive and then lee swatted away a strike combination and hit a grand zero for the win um after the match private party took lee out with some uh, tandem offense, but Lee caught both of them and then individually on dives, and he powerboard Quinn onto Cassidy and then onto the apron. So I thought this was a really awesome uh, debut for Keith Lee. He's someone that people want like a lot for because of how he was treated by WWE. Um, and I think that when it comes to people that have been released by WWE, I feel like every single person that gets released, you will have people saying like, oh, WWE messed up on this person. This person needs another chance, like whatever. And I don't think that WWE misses the mark on every single person, but Keith Lee is definitely someone um, that they did. And um, I would also say though, like huge credit to Isaiah Cassidy in this match. I actually think he was like the true MVP of this match. Um, he really bumped so hard for Keith Lee to make Keith Lee look to make Keith Lee's offense look really, really good. So I really hope that Isaiah, Isaiah got a big like pat on the back for that. Um, and then during the match, we did see Matt Hardy just walk out on Private Party. Um, 
And then it was referenced in the commentary that he um, that he was displaying erratic behavior. So he jumped the guardrail and just walked out through the fans, which is um, kind of how the whole Jeff Hardy WWE incident was described. So that's quite funny. I think they are setting up the table for Jeff Hardy to come in. I know Matt has said that his he is not a free agent until March 10th. That would be after Revolution. So I think they really are setting that up where um, Matt Hardy is going to become like really frustrated with the whole Hardy family office situation. We know Andrade is getting in there. Um, and I think that we're going to see him revert back to being with his brother. And I think that might be the best for him because, you know, I'm no fan of the Hardy family office. Uh, so I think like one more run with Matt and Jeff together might be the best thing for Matt Hardy at this point. So Matthew says limitless. <laughs> um, uh, Holiday Chris said basket is glory. I marked out. I loved this match. Um, Imagine not being able to use Keith Lee to his potential, says Wasabi King. Um, Matthew says, huge shout out to Keith from all these um, health problems he dealt with to be doing this. Uh, yes. Um, Redmond Survivor, Keith was still so over in that Survivor Series match against Roman and in the Rumble against Brock. How WWE after him up after that? Um, hello to Melissa, who says, bask in his glory. Uh, with Savvy King, the Hardy Boys final chair coming. Final match will be with the Bucks. Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, next, we had like a video promo recapping this kind of confusing uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Mercedes Martinez situation. Uh, next week, Thunder Rosa will face Mar Mercedes Martinez in a no disqualification match. I think that's going to be cool. Uh, next up, we had CM Punk and he found a friend and the friend he found was John Moxley and they defeated FTR. Um, during this match, Punk and Mox hit a doomsday device. That was freaking cool. Um, the match ended when Tully entered the ring and he took off his jacket. He was like trying to whip CM Punk and CM Punk was like, what are you doing, you old fool? Um, he distracted Punk. Punk hit him with a GTS. It took a, it took a while, but he did. Um, Cash rolled up Punk with the tights for another close near fall. Then Moxley and Punk both hit simultaneous GTS and paradigm shifts for the win. Um I thought this was really cool. And what I really liked about this um, was this was a show that, you know, they were hyping up this big reveal and this big surprise. And I think it had like a lot of eyes on it for that. But then I think they just like give this little surprise uh, match to, you know, the people that are going to be watching anyway. I thought that was great. I think that having Moxley as Punk's partner actually makes sense because there's like so much like you can either never reference this again and it's like a one-off inconsequential thing or um you or it can lead to so much because you have like Punk spoke about Moxley after Moxley um went to rehab he did that really nice speech about him and then like moxley is also like friends with um darby and then you have the other side of that mox's best friend in in aw canon is um eddie kingston who hates cm punk so he might be like dude why the why the hell did you help cm punk and then moxley can be like well you know you're fucking in all the inner circle stuff so are we even friends anymore and then you have daniel uh, brian danielson who propositioned mox that last week and then he could be jealous um that mox you know did something with punk when he was asking them uh, to team up so i thought that was really cool i love that all these loner boys so sting the original loner uh darby allen loner 
CM Punk loner, John Moxley loner, have all found each other. These are all the kind of boys I would have befriended in school. So it's just like like that's the cool click in in AEW are the the boys that hang out, you know, in the boiler room. Um uh let me see. Uh 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 Tully sandbagging, uh yeah, a little bit. Uh yeah, good point by Redman Survivor. This is the first time I can remember AW booking a match during the show, and it was a banger. Matthew was hoping for Samoa Joe. So was I, but I wasn't actually like disappointed. Uh, I I knew it wouldn't be Samoa Joe the moment um CM Punk text or tweeted Samoa Joe. I just knew it wouldn't be him then because that was too much of a giveaway. And he'd previously uh, tweeted Danhausen, so we can thank God that it wasn't him. Um, that's uh, not Jenny Rampage spoilers. Um, uh, Pal Driver finisher. You know, Danielson said he wasn't here for the young talent and looking to better himself. So in hindsight, it really doesn't make sense when he says he wants to train them now in a Mox team. Well, we'll see how they how they work on that. Uh, next, we had um, AQA taking on TBS champion Jade Cargill. Um, AQA is the former um, Zadea Ramirez in NXT. She had like about three matches in, in NXT. Um, this ended when Jade hit a DDT, then hit a nice shooting star press for two. She climbed the ropes again, but Jade uh, stood up and propped AQ in the corner. She caught a cross body and hit a slam, followed by a Jaded for the win. Uh, I think this match went about eight minutes or something. It was way too long for Jade. I know Jade's been working with Brian Danielson. She's still on about less than 30 matches and she's really improving, but um. I thought this was way too long for her to be going. I think she needs like a Goldberg Wardlow like style booking, like the long matches. I just don't think, um, especially for live TV. Uh, Redmond Survivor, I was so happy for AQA. She was someone I mentioned that AW should sign an article I wrote for TV Insider two years ago. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yes. Nice tour of the islands from Jade as well. She is picking up some really good um, moves. Um, you know to put in her moveset but i would still keep her in shorter matches uh next we had the young bucks and adam cole backstage the young bucks are going to beat rapongi vice and set their sights on tag titles cole said that jay white would be in the corner but the bucks were like eh, you should really tell us when you're going to bring your mates here because our mate kenny doesn't like your mate jay white so that's making things awkward um so we'll see what happens there but adam cole did say when you're bullet club you're bullet club for life for 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 life um then we had the awesome Serena Deeb. She doesn't think there's another woman in the back that can keep up with her. She has the professor's five-minute rookie challenge. Uh, it was Kate Arquette, no relation to David, uh, that came out to accept it. Uh, she lasted about 30 seconds. Uh, Deeb uppercutted her in the corner, taunted her, hit a netbreaker, locked on a, a single-leg crab to win. Um Serena Deeb's just freaking awesome. She's so cool. <laughs> she her whole gimmick is just so cool. But there there really are lacking like good strong baby faces in the women's division because like the heels are so good. You've got Serena, you've got um Jade, you've got Britt Baker, of course, at the top of the division. Uh Nyla Rose is amazing too. But I really like Serena a lot. Then we have the AEW World Championship Texas Deathmatch Hangman Page and Lance Archer. This match, because it was Lance Archer, we knew Lance Archer was not going to win. So it was such a foregone conclusion. And 
you did have people, including myself, saying like he's a bit of a key and challenger, just monster challenger. You know, we all know he's not going to win, like whatever, inconsequential, whatever, whatever, whatever. However, I feel like these two men heard all this criticism and were like, F you, we're going to have a freaking amazing match and you're not even going to see it coming because so many cool things will have happened on this show that you'll be sitting thinking when it comes to the end, well, this isn't going to be anything to write home about, but my God, you can write home about this match. It was so good. Um, there was, uh, so there was so many spots that um, I'll just allude to some of them. Uh, this started when, um, as Archer was about to make his entrance, the cameras cut backstage and they were already fighting. He Archer wanted to choke Sam Page off the stage. Page came back with a belt shot, sent Archer through the glass in the entranceway, busting him open. We had Dan Lambert out there. He um, was trying to unscrew all the top ropes to, of course, prevent Page from hitting a buckshot lariat. Um, then... I think it was after the break that Paige was uh, bust open over his eye. They, he bled so much in this match. They both bled so much. And it was like thick blood. It was thick, thick. I haven't had an aspirin blood. Uh, there were tables set up at ringside. Um, Paige tried to boot Archer through the tables, but Archer countered and sent Paige into the turnbuckle. Jake hit a short arm clothesline. He called for a DDT, but Archer stopped him, which allowed Paige to hit a DDT of his own. Archer grabbed a fork at one point and stabbed Paige with it. He licked the fork. It was disgusting. Um, Archer also tossed loads of chairs into the ring before pulling out a chair with barbed wire on one side. Um, he popped up the steps and hit the blackout on Paige onto them. This looked insane. He wanted a power bomb in the ring, but Paige managed to grab the barbed wire in the chair and deliver rolling elbow strikes um, with the, his wire-wrapped forearm. There was a German suplex. And then Paige dropped some barbed wire. The official went to pick it up and then he vaulted over him to hit a buckshot Larry and Archer, sending Archer crashing through two tables on the floor. This looked incredible. Incredible. Um, and Paige made it back into the ring at the count of nine. He is your winner. I thought this match was awesome. First thing I want to say, I'm so glad that they did a freaking grossly bloody match after all that shit from WWE um, about like, mutilation and all that stuff that they were saying. I'm glad that they're not like turning away or that TNT, TBS isn't telling them like, please stop with all this bloody thing. I think it's really good. Like just please just make wrestling for adults. Thank you. We can handle the blood keep it coming. I love it. I love it. I love a gory match. I love a bloody match. I love a death match. Keep it coming. Put it on my TV. Wrestling does not have to be this like sanitized, Disney-tized product that WWE give, gives you. You know, there has been gory stuff in wrestling for a long time and like, just keep it coming. Uh, yeah. So I really liked like that aspect of it, but I just thought there were so many cool big spots. That lariat at the end was absolutely amazing. The only thing then I would point out that um, I think faltered a little bit was Jim Ross saying that Paige couldn't hit the lariat because the, the ropes were gone and then being like, well, maybe he could be creative with it. I think that was too much foreshadowing. But other than that, I thought this was absolutely wonderful. I think Hangman has not been presented as the strongest champion and it might be because he doesn't have the strongest personality, um, especially compared to the previous three champions. He's more like 
the quieter guy among them. But when he gets in the ring, when he actually gets to have a match, I think then you remember like the Hangman page is really great and he's a great asset to this company and he should be champion. I just wish that they featured him more like every single week and give us more the feeling of like this is the top guy in the company. But Lots of credit to Lance Archer as well. He took some amazing spots in this match. Um, I hope they're both okay. There's a lot of blood. Um, <laughs> let me see what you guys thought of this one. Uh, Wasabi King, this main event was awesome. Um, <clears throat> Pile Driver Finisher, Lance Archer eating bloody soup with a fork. Yes, Wasabi King, removal of the top rope was great. Um, and no talking from Lambert. Yeah, Lambert there without a mic. Um, Matthew says the, in, the innovative, buckshot, innovative buckshot lariat was perfection. Um, uh, King of Huko Mundo says, wow, what a masterpiece uh, of a dynamite that had it all. Um, and he adds, WWE is TV for kids and AW is adult wrestling, not entertainment for kids like WWE. Um, Redmond Survivor shitting on Dan Lambert here. It's no coincidence that this was the best episode in a while and it didn't have a Dan Lambert segment. I usually like Dan Lambert segments, except last week when he was involved in the worst Dynamite segment of all time. So, um, you know, a little time out for him on the mic was fine with me. Um, after this match, we had Adam Cole came up he picked up the belt before putting it on Paige. It looks like he is um, Hangman Page's challenger for Revolution. Revolution is so soon. I mean, I'm literally counting down the days to Revolution. Um, and the card is finally starting to take form. But I think, yeah, it's going to be Adam Cole and Hangman Page. Uh, I think what's what I think is going to happen, like early prediction, I'm actually can't really predict who's going to win at this point. But what I can predict is that I think it will end with Kenny returning and maybe then that will play in, uh, that will give Jay White some purpose. Maybe like maybe Jay White is a part of, of that story. Um, but yeah, I think that whoever wins, we'll see Kenny. I think that, and not only will we see Kenny, but he'll be there for Cole. Like it will look like he's there for Hangman but he'll actually be there for Cole um, to try and take out Cole because it looks like since Kenny has been away, Cole has really been pushing himself as the leader um, of the elite faction while like building other factions around him. Oh, thank you, Ivy, so much for the super chat. Um, Ivy says, loving Hangman since returning. He's put on nothing but banger after banger. He's been booked as the same as Moxie as champion with monthly feuds um, in in my opinion, the best beef to start a title win match wise. Yeah. Um, thank you so, so much for that. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, the Battle of the Atoms coming. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, Matthew's basically said what I said. Um, yeah, that I think that Kenny will come back. It will look like he's going to attack a hangman but he attacks Cole instead. And whether that has the title involved or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but this was such a great edition of Dynamite. They, like, the ratings last week were disappointing given given that they gave away, like, one of the biggest matches they could do in MJF versus CM Punk. They gave that away in free TV and the rating wasn't that great for it. I mean, it was good, but you, you do want better. Um, This was a good week for them to really, like, uh, pull out all the stops because WWE is over on sci-fi because of the Olympics so they can really like 
beat try and beat WWE numbers wise. So um yeah, just awesome show. And it's a show that got people talking. There's so much discourse about it. And like that's what you want to do. Like keep the chatter up and give people that haven't watched AEW before reasons to tune in to Dynamite. And I think that there is probably people that are not watching every week that tuned in this week just to see who the surprise was. Um, you know, so that's awesome. And did this surprise deliver? I think so, because I was expecting Keith Lee. We got Keith Lee. That's awesome. He's great, a great get. And I wasn't expecting Jay White, and Jay White appeared. So that was that was really, really cool. Uh, let's see what's happening on Rampage. Young Bucks versus Rapongi Vice. Bucks will have Jay White in the corner. There's a promo from Brian Danielson, which I hear was taped backstage and did not air in front of the crowd. So we, we don't know what happened there. Hook versus the mysterious Blake Lee. No one can find any info on this guy, uh, but he is from QT Marshall's few, uh, school. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker versus Robin Renegade. And Jungle Boy Nichisaurus versus the Gun Club. This sounds like way too many matches to have um, on Rampage. So I'm guessing Hook will destroy Blake Lee in under two minutes and Britt Baker will destroy Robin Renegade as well. Uh, what have we got announced for Dynamite? We have Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. Um, and no disqualification, Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez. So... Wow, that is going to be fun. Okay, that is all from me. I've got just over an hour. Thank you guys so much um, for tuning in and giving me so many takes on such a big edition of Dynamite. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, once again, I will ask you to like this video, share this video, tell everyone, tell your gran, uh, subscribe to this channel. Um, you can support my content creation uh, via the Kofi link in the description box. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase. See, I'm the same on Instagram. Make sure you're back here next week. Next week, AW Weekly will be on a Friday. So Friday next week. Mark it in your diaries. I'm doing Friday next week at around the same time uh, due to personal commitments. So thank you so much, everyone. Oh, Lots of love in the chat. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, things are going to be really fun come March. Really, really fun. But thank you guys for like sticking with it. Um, 2022 has been interesting so far. <laughs> but one thing I am very um, happy to do every week is to talk to you guys about AEW. So Thank you so much. Um, check out my AW Dynamite preview, which will be coming on Tuesday. If you hit my face, subscribe to the podcast and listen to AW Weekly there. Uh, so until next week, bye. Dynamite.